Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm your host, Nicole North, and I am joined today by Tiana Fesh. Hello, Tiana. Hello, Nicole. So happy to be here. So thrilled to have you. Um, Tiana and I met through like multiple channels. Like it seemed like we were destined to cross paths. I think we found each other and then someone else also reintroduced us at one point. I think that's what happened. Yes. (laughs) But I love how connections are made. It's so much fun. (laughs) It is so good. So tell us a, a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I live in Calgary, Alberta, and I'm a mom of three boys. So that's a big part of my life. Two teenagers, 15 and 13, and a just turned 11 year old. Um, And I've been an educator for a really long time (laughs) without giving away my age. So uh, (laughs) over everyone get your calculators out. We're going to start doing some math because I'll tell you, she looks like she's no older than 27. Oh boy. I'm a lot. (laughs) I don't think so. It must be because I'm far away from the camera. Uh, no, I'm definitely not that definitely not. Um, but yes, I've worked in the field of education for a really long time and doing all kinds of things, education related from classroom teaching to curriculum development, to supporting little kiddos with learning disabilities and learning delays and challenges. Um, I now have my own consulting business. So it's Tiana Fesh Consulting. And I use a relationship-centered approach to help businesses confidently create learning experiences that inspire, engage, and connect with their clients, customers, and communities. So that involves course development work, but also course audits and corporate training program audits as well. Very cool. Well, I want to know, what do you mean by relationship-centered teaching and learning? Because I have, uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but even being in the learning and training space, I don't know. Okay. So for me, the way that it really resonates and makes sense to me is it's all about the who of teaching and learning. So the people involved in teaching and learning. And when I was a classroom teacher, the relationship piece was always my favorite, favorite piece, because when you're working with junior high and high school students, It's all about the relationship, especially junior high, 100%. Uh, If you don't have that relationship, there's not a lot of teaching and learning that's going to be happening. Um, But that relationship piece, that who piece is so very important. Um, You can teach so many different things. So, you know, I've taught chemistry. I've taught courses at the University of Calgary as a sessional instructor and That's all fine and good. That's the content that we teach or the subject matter that we teach. But no matter what we're teaching, at the end of the day, we're teaching people. Interesting. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, I think we all have heard this over the last kind of 
a couple of years of being on Zoom and attending more Zoom trainings is that the real key is to build rapport at that starting point so that there is trust for learning to happen, right? If I, I remember a, a client said, skip all that introduction stuff and skip the icebreaker. We don't need that. And I remember saying, you know, I need that. I need the learners to be able to trust me and feel like we're in this together and that we're learning or doing something together. Otherwise they could just listen to a podcast or just listen to some static training if that's what you want. But if you want a live trainer, a live educator, then there has to be some, um, has to be a, a rapport building or relationship aspect. So what are some strategies to implement this type of approach? Well, one of the things that I first do when I teach students or um, I'm working with clients or I'm giving a presentation is I get people to think about, um, and this can be a helpful strategy to kind of get in the relationship center, teaching and learning mindset. Uh, just to think about a teaching and learning experience or a teacher that really resonated for you. Mm. And so when I think back, I always share the story that my favorite teacher of all time with, was Mrs. Hogland. She was my grade two teacher. She was the best teacher ever. And I really don't remember anything that she taught me at all. But I remember how she made me feel. So when we go into designing curriculum or a course or a workshop or a webinar or training or whatever it may be, it's good to kind of have that in the back of our mind. And when I pose this question to other people, I don't think a single person has ever said, you know, wow, you know, I think back to high school chemistry class and I just loved how Mrs. Fesh, that's me, uh, balanced organic chemistry qu equations on the board. She was just <laughs> the best at it. <laughs> so those aren't the things we remember. We remember feeling cared for and encouraged and motivated and inspired. All of those things, be it a, a particular experience, but oftentimes a particular person or teacher or mentor or guide that we've had. Um, I would say another key piece is clearly communicating the learning journey to your participants and learners at the beginning, because learning can be such a vulnerable experience. Uh, I talk about as an adult, I did some adult in learn to skate, kind of improve your skating skills class. And I was so nervous and I had to go up to the table and get a name tag to put on my helmet. And, you know, like I, our kids do all these new learning experiences all the time. But when we're put in these situations, we remember, like, there's a certain level of anxiety that we can feel kind of being pushed out of our comfort zone. So if you know the learning journey, if you know the learning plan, that can be helpful because you know where you're st starting and where you're going and sort of the, the milestones and, and things that you're going to uh, touch on along the way. And then it's important to revisit that journey and remind people of the journey. So I always tell people just very simply, you say what you're going to say, you say it, <laughs> and then you say what you said. <laughs> um, I, I think I have a similar version of it. It's tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. See teaching and learning, right? I love it. It's so true. And those will be the first slides that clients want me to delete. I know. Can you delete that? That's too much intro. We don't need all that intro. And I was like, people need to understand what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then I remind them now we just did that. Remember I told you, and now we're going to do this. Okay. Now we're doing this. (laughs) The first slides that everyone's like, why do you have so many of these slides? I'm like, so that people can compartmentalize the learning. I'm glad with no formal education training, I've just been able to figure this out. See, you're an amazing, you're an amazing teacher. You're doing amazing, but it's, it is such an effective strategy because I sort of describe it as being like the scaffolding of a building. So it's the framework, right? And then as you go through the learning experience, you're filling in the details, but you need to have that bigger picture to kind of in place before you fill in those details. See, we're on the same page, same page. 100%. <laughs> and then uh, another key part of it too is remembering that learning, effective learning involves both an inhale and an exhale. So inhaling is, you know, if I'm the teacher, I'm sharing content and I'm telling you all this information and explaining why and what and how, and you as the participant are inhaling and you're taking that all in. But unless you give your participants an opportunity to exhale, that learning is not going to be as effective for them. So they need an opportunity to do something with the content that you're sharing with them. And too often people forget this. Um, You just, so if you say it and you show it and you talk about it and do all all those things, that doesn't necessarily mean that your participants or learners know it. Um, So I was envisioning, I love this, this imagery of inhale versus exhale, because all I could envision was like people continually inhaling and basically hyperventilating, which is kind of what happens on a zoom training when you spit too much content out and don't do anything with it. So it's such a brilliant analogy. Yeah. It, uh, it can be, it can feel very overwhelming, right? You can just feel okay. And then when you leave a learning experience like that, you know, what are you able then to do with it? Right. I think you can do more with it and take action and have it really make a difference for your learners and participants when you have them trying to make it mean something to them within the context of the learning experience itself. And there's a million things, but I'll share one more if that's okay. Yes, please, <laughs> I am, I am inhaling it all. <laughs> and I hope exhaling too. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> But one of my favorite um, strategies is sharing stories. So that in itself is a really effective engagement strategy. So if you're just talking about, you know, this concept and this idea, that feels really dry. Um, It makes me think of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off (laughs) and the teacher just going on and on and saying anyone, anyone and no, but everyone's just not even a part of what's happening in that classroom. So there's just something so awesome about stories because they really get people to like sit up and pay attention and soak things in. So if you can find a story of some sort to that connects and is relevant to what, what it is you're talking about, it can just make things so much more interesting. 
um, and really make that content connect more with your learners. So I'll share a story. (laughs) So uh, when I was first a student teacher, so way back in the day, um, I was teaching my students about heat and temperature. And so, which is maybe not the most exciting science unit, Uh, but I told them a story. So I said, okay, so one day I was making myself craft dinner and then all of a sudden the phone rang and this was like the olden days when you had to actually go get the phone. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't just Uh, perpetually like glued to your palm. No, 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 I didn't have the cell phone yet. (laughs) And uh, so I ran to get the phone. So if I was during those noodles and I left the spoon in the pot, would it be better to have left a wooden spoon or a metal spoon? So that was the way that I sort of told this story, but got them thinking about the content that we were talking about and um, talking about heat conduction. Um, And then it was so funny because at the end of my time with my students, uh, at the end of my time as a student teacher there, they gave me a parting gift and each class of students gave me a wooden spoon that they had all signed and I still have them. (laughs) That's so sweet. So that story obviously resonated with them, but yeah, I try to use stories all the time. It's what makes content palpable, right? You teach a model or a framework, right? I'm doing this all the time, teaching a leadership framework, or the client says, we want you to teach this change management framework. Um, And it's like, okay, you know, awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they don't get it until you tell a story. Like one time, this is what happened. And you know, I, I do the storytelling thing all the time. And I, I know I do it because my husband, who can usually hear me through the wall here, he'll say, oh, you told that story again for the conflict, huh? Yeah, good one. Yeah, remember that one. So, But he remembers, doesn't he? He does, or he's just really sick of listening to me. Or that. the baffle. <laughs> Oh, so wonderful. I love those strategies to really bring content to life. And you're right that if we talk about relationship centered, when I tell a vulnerable story about how I failed leading someone or how I failed to manage someone effectively and use that as an example to show the brilliance of whatever framework that whatever professor designed from Harvard, um, it, you know, it then allows them to connect and say, okay, I get it. You failed too. You're not trying to be perfect as you teach us. You're trying to learn with us. Yeah. And that is so true because I find as a teacher, I'm learning as much, if not more than my students or participants. I find the learning experience itself is an opportunity to gain so much knowledge too. So it's so powerful and showing our human side and being vulnerable and sharing our own learning journey or the mistakes we've made or the ways that we've grown in understanding are so important and powerful for sure. And so, you know, this all, I I love all this because it reminds me a lot of a lot of the storytelling we used to do was in person, uh, but now we've got this big shift, right? This big dramatic shift to online. Um, so I'd love to start my question with how have you seen the online learning landscape change over these tumultuous two years plus? It's everywhere. 
(laughs) (laughs) And it's here to stay, right? And I mean, we're so fortunate that we have access to such incredible tools uh, and resources to allow us to teach and learn online. Um, I, it would have been very hard to navigate, you know, things with our kids, with ourselves, with our work. So it's definitely a game changer. I think that people are maybe tired though of being online (laughs) in many ways. I mean, it's nice because you can save the commute to the office. Um, You can connect more easily, but there is something about that in-person connection that is pretty special. And I do find it can be a little more challenging to kind of read the crowd in an online environment. Oh my gosh, when the cameras are off. Oh my goodness. Hello. Hello. Are you out there? Anyone? I know. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah, it's so tricky. And I find it more exhausting, both as a teacher and as a learner too. So, you know, just being mindful of giving people breaks and time to pause and think and reflect and, and just really be cognizant of doing those things because you can't read the crowd or everyone might have their camera off. And if they have their camera off, what are the ways that you can encourage participation um, other than people needing to speak up? Because a lot of people aren't really comfortable in that environment to do that. So what are the other ways that you can encourage participation? So I think, um, I think people are getting more creative because there is kind of that online or zoom fatigue or whatever, in in trying to be, make things more interactive and engaging. So, you know, using the chat, um, you know, using the whiteboard feature in zoom, um, you can, you know, apparently have zoom has a new whiteboard feature. Yes. That's like really fancy. I haven't tried it out yet. I'm sometimes I'd like to try it on a smaller client before I try it with 30 or 40 people, but I hear it's amazing. And a video waiting room, I think is another new feature. Yeah, I know. I need to check out these new features for sure. Yes. Okay. But yeah, there's great ways like you can use even with the existing whiteboard Um, So I can't wait to check out the new version, but you can, you know, have a table out and have people vote with stamps or they can write words and collaborate. And I had so much fun with my student teachers. Well, we tried to make it as fun as humanly possible when I was teaching student teachers how to teach online (laughs) in the beginning of the pandemic. But yeah, there are creative ways. And then I think, you know, Uh, If there can be an opportunity for smaller group work in an online setting, you know, taking advantage of the breakout room features, for example, and stuff like that, because most people are more apt to talk or get engaged in a discussion when it's not in the giant, big, huge group Zoom setting. (laughs) Yeah. And it's that variety of doing all kinds of different things. So I usually have a big speech I do at the beginning that says, you know, I'd love you to have your camera on. For one, it makes my knee much more exciting. So this will make the session more exciting for you. Even if you're, you know, looking at your emails, I'll still think you're looking at me um, and, you know, it'll make it better for me. It'll make it better for you. You've got two and a half hours or three hours with me today. Um, Why not actually eat that all up, right? Rather than just kind of halving it on the side of your desk. And so then I'd say, you know, if if you need to have your camera off, Here's all the other ways to engage, chat, annotate, draw all over my slides. If you want draw huge question marks, um, on the page. And I, I disable, 
uh, the feature that shows you who's annotating so that people can feel really safe to just draw yeah. a big question mark. Um, and so I, I'm with a, a, actually a new, uh, a new client and there are tons of new immigrants to Canada. And so English isn't necessarily their first language. And instead of making them afraid to say, what do you mean by retail therapy? What, what is that? Um, they'll just underline it or put a question mark for me. And then I can just naturally build that into how we're doing it. So again, I'm glad to hear that with no formal training, I have, I've somehow got some natural ability there. Yes. It's amazing. Right. And I love that. Yeah. You're, you're implementing the key idea of and being uh, cognizant of the fact that we don't all learn in the same ways. So we need to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, mixing we up really some want like things. individual work with popcorn style group discussion, and then a little bit of breakouts. It's all about the blend. If you do too many breakouts, people don't like it. If you do too much lecture, people don't like it. It's about, uh, you know, we're all a little bit, um, what's the word? We have a little bit of a low attention span, right? We want things to move about as quickly as a scroll. So imagine yourself kind of trying to create as much activity as one Instagram story could create. I know, right? Keep things moving, change things up, and then you're going to connect and resonate with the most people possible in a meaningful way. I think you're totally right. I think online learning is here to stay with what proportion. I do think you're right. I think we're going to have a big swing back to in person just because we need to. And then I think we'll settle in a nice gentle medium where it's, we do in-person when in-person is necessary and we do virtual for, uh, short things that need discussion and then online learning kind of your passive, um, you know, just watch it kind of online learning. Um, that'll be for, I just need to refresh my memory, or I just need to learn one quick thing before I go into this meeting on demand. So it's going to be that fine blend between those three. Um, and you see millions of people, myself included, trying to create online courses. What, where should you start when creating an online course? Well, this isn't going to surprise you given my preference and sort of approach to teaching and learning, but I always think it's important to start with the who. So you need to think about your people and who you're teaching and really keep that at the forefront, which seems kind of strange because I know with online, people tend to go right away to what platform should I use? Should I use Teachable or Thinkific or Kajabi? Or should I, you know, where should I host all my course material? But if you really start with the who, then you're thinking about sort of your area of expertise or the course subject that you're, you need to cover or teach, talk about, and the questions that your people have. So what are they wanting or needing to know, learn, and understand? And then, you know, the Venn diagram. So where's that overlap? And how can you make sure that the learning experience is going to meet them where they're at, get them where they want to be. Um, and people have their reasons, right. For learning. Sometimes it's, they have to, because <laughs> it's a part of what they need to, uh, need to do, but we really want to keep those people in mind. And that's, that's where we need to start. Not with the what and how really thinking about the who. Interesting. And is that, maybe I'll rephrase my question then. What, 
what tends to be the common like roadblock and obstacle that people hit. I suspect they get so um, down a rabbit hole of what platform that they forget about the who, or maybe even the what they're teaching at that point. Like you're yeah. so overwhelmed by choice. Yes. Too much. <laughs> There's too much. Like, where do you start? Um, so sometimes it's thinking like, what's the next best step to take? Or even what's the first best step to take <laughs> can be tricky. So, uh, and when I connect with people and, you know, have a connection call or talk to them about their courses or their course ideas, like often it's that they just don't know that next best step. So um, I'm actually creating a workbook right now. So I'm sort of walking people through these steps that you need to work through and take to start, like go from course idea to actual course out in the world. And I kind of describe it like crossing a river with a bunch of big rocks that you can hop across to get there. So um, you might need to hop back to a rock that you've been on before because course creation, as I'm sure you know, with all the, the creating of learning experiences that you do is not necessarily this linear experience. Um, but it, I provide those milestones um, and guidelines to get you from one side to the other. So I think, yeah, knowing what that next best step is, but definitely I would say the one that most people get stuck on anytime I've done, you know, um, like a search in an online forum, online courses, just to see the types of questions that people have, what course platform should I use? Where should I host my course? So that seems to be the number one pe thing that people get hung up on. And I always tell people that, you know, like don't start there because you might not actually, especially for a first run of a course, even need a course platform. <laughs> yeah. With things like Canva now, where you can just send links, links to a recorded presentation, like there, it's much, much, it, it's much, much more democratized than it was before. Um, and you know what I often do I, actually, cause I just developed an online course very quickly. Um, the first thing they told me to do is come out with the content plan. What are the four, the 14 modules that you have name yeah. them all. And then what is the format of how that's going to look video, video worksheet, video. And I just kind of did it. And then I basically had a skeleton to work from. And then I, my best advice is always like, just record it, just yes. record it. Stop living in this perfectionist world where like, the lighting is perfect. Your background is perfect. You don't make one mistake. You never say, um, just let it go. Yeah. You definitely need to let those things go. And as you said, you know, once you have that big picture in mind of what your course is about and the big goal that people are looking to achieve at the end, and you've built out that skeleton that really helps because I think People also get stuck on, well, they tend to include more in the course. I'm just going to include one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. But having that framework allows you to decide what should be in your course and what maybe should not be in your course. Yeah. And it helps you to just keep moving forward because yeah. sometimes too, too much can be overwhelming and you might be going off on little you know, side paths that are connected, but not really getting people where they need to go. For sure. For sure. Um, so as we, 
as we move in this kind of constantly dynamic environment and where things are moving, um, I'm thinking what opportunities are there for people um, with education background that go beyond classroom teaching? So many. (laughs) And it's, and it's funny because I honestly have wanted to be a teacher since grade two, since I had Mrs. Hogland, (laughs) I decided that was my goal. Um, And I loved classroom teaching. I really, really did. There's certain things I didn't like as there is with any sort of job that you have, but I, I really did love it because of the students. That part of working together with the students was amazing. But when I realized that for me, that the teacher, classroom teacher, mom juggle just wasn't going to be a fit. I had a mild identity crisis and wondered, you know, here, that was my life goal. I'd gone to school for that. And then what do I do? Like, what else can I possibly do with a teaching degree? So yes, many, many things. Um, So many. So I resigned from the school board. And I found, to be honest, with kind of finding any sort of opportunity related to what your background is, the best thing to do is to talk about what you want to do, what you like to do, what you know, what you can do, all those things. Um, But there are fantastic opportunities in curriculum development and instructional design. as a t- classroom teacher, you are designing new learning experiences on the daily multiple times. And those learning experiences also need to be highly assessment based. Like you need to always be looking for ways to have your learners show evidence of what they need to um, know, understand, and be able to do. So you're practicing that all the time. So there, if you hop online, like Indeed or LinkedIn, there are so many job opportunities for instructional design and curriculum development, curriculum design. So that would be a big one. Um, in fact, after I stopped teaching and after telling anyone who would listen what I wanted to do when I grew up, <laughs> um, my first two non-classroom based education jobs were writing um, two five credit high school courses for the Calgary Board of Education in partnership with Junior Achievement of Southern Alberta, um, which was an amazing experience and not in areas that were my subject area specialization. So I was a junior high high school science teacher and I created courses on um, the business of the skilled trades and of the fine and performing arts. So it was called the entrepreneurial skilled trades and the entrepreneurial artist. So it was an amazing experience. And even with my entrepreneurial artist program, I created the curriculum and then I got to see it piloted in action, which was so amazing. So that's when um, you can, although you do need a master's degree, at least Uh, teach as a sessional instructor in a post-secondary institution, which is a different kind of teaching experience. Um, My favorite one there was field experience, which I did for four years. So supervising student teachers, so mentoring and guiding them and learning how to be teachers, which was amazing and 
uh, I learned so much about myself as a teacher and so many new wonderful ideas. Um, also, I worked as an early learning coordinator. So as a classroom teacher, you're always writing what in Alberta are called individual program plans. In Ontario, individual education plans, IEPs, Alberta IPPs. And so I was overseeing programs for these little kiddos with developmental delays. So I was coordinating the writing of their IPPs or IEPs and also coordinating their support teams. So occupational therapists, physiotherapists, speech language pathologists. And then now I'm working as a course development consultant. So providing advice and support and direction and guidance and um, reviewing and auditing programs and courses. Um, so there's a great opportunity there using all that you've learned as a teacher in terms of effective high impact um, teaching and learning experiences to support others with developing them too. So amazing. So, so amazing. And I, for a long time, um, or not a long time, but after my first was born um, and I was on maternity leave and I wasn't quite ready to come back to whiteboard, I had started um, teaching English to students in China um, online. That was probably my first foray into online learning before I even knew what was happening way long before the pandemic. Um, and there was tons of teachers in that, uh, program as well, right. Either, uh, facilitating English learning for students, um, or also moving on to some of those other platforms like OutSchool, um, yes. to design kind of those like play fun classes online for students. Hundred percent. Um, yes, especially with online, it just really broadens the availability of opportunity. And I'd say another big field that many teachers kind of head into as an alternative uh, workplace space is human resources, as well, because managing people <laughs> and the teaching and learning component that goes along with that is is a big part of education as well. I'd, I'd say that most <laughs> HR managers would say they're, they're, they're basically managing a bunch of toddlers, you know, much like a teacher <laughs> might. Well, people can be challenging at yes. times. <laughs> <laughs> the same kind of temper tantrums, just over different things. <laughs> Still lots of crying, but not, not, not necessarily the same. Um, Tiana, I learned so much from you. Um, I want to know who needs to work with you. Who is okay. your, who needs to find you and why? Well, I love connecting with small business owners who have started working on, or just have an idea about creating an online course or some sort of learning experience. And they're looking for support with that. It's just inspiring to have a, a conversation about that. So on my website, .com, um, you can always book a 30-minute connection call with me. And I always want people to leave that conversation having an idea of a next step or an action item or something that they can do. And if there's an opportunity to work together, of course, I always love that. But I really want people to feel like they're walking away um, with something that's going to help them move forward in their course creation learning experience journey. 
And then another way that I really love working with people too is doing course audits or corporate training program audits. So if you have an existing course or learning experience or training program, like an employee onboarding program or um, other forms of corporate training programs, I'm happy to look at some of it or all of it um, and provide you with some very detailed feedback uh, and also some recommendations of how to improve it and make it do what you're wanting or intending it to do. So with that, I'm, uh, I look at the course content and in terms of whether or not it's aligning with those big picture goals, that learning journey that you've set out for your participants. I look at the learning experience itself. So how do people kind of feel in navigating through all the things that you're giving them? What are the things that they're doing? Are they just inhaling information the whole time? Where are those opportunities to make that content and learning meaningful to them? And then also the design. So just all the pieces and components and how they're working together and finding those ways to implement those really effective, um, amazing teaching and learning strategies. So as that online learning market continues to grow and, and boom, and as uh, training comes back into the forefront, basically everyone needs you and your uh, <laughs> brilliance and advice and, and great recommendations. Uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, seek you out? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram at Tiana Fesh. I'm on LinkedIn. Tiana Fesh. That's T-I-A-N-A-F-E-C-H at Tiana Fesh. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and also my website, which is tianafesh.com. And I'm also happy to do, now that the world has opened up, I have done some in-person corporate training program audit work. Um, I am in Calgary, but uh, um, willing to travel to Hawaii is what I always say. <laughs> Absolutely. Always willing to travel to Hawaii. hundred percent. So um, yeah, I just love connecting with people and find in working with amazing businesses, companies and business owners. I learn so much from the experience and, and always get so inspired because I'm not the expert on, you know, I've worked with um, businesses that do like publishing and accounting and project management and social media stuff um, and social entrepreneurship, but those are not my areas of expertise. So it's always so inspiring how much I get to learn uh, in, in working with these amazing clients as well. I would love that. I would love that. And you also have a podcast that's I wrapping do. up soon. <laughs> Yes. And Nicole is going to be the final official guest on the part-time jungle podcast. So honored. It, it will be wrapping up at the end of June. So, uh, my current podcast is all about, uh, creating conversation and community about swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for each of us and our families. And, um, after the summer in the fall, I'm going to be launching a new podcast that will be focused more on teaching, learning, education, and the 
amazing people and strategies and ideas that are connected with that. Very, very cool. Everyone should go find Deanna Fesh. Um, thank you so much for joining us today on at the whiteboard. I know everyone is going to, uh, recognize that, uh, limitless leadership is also about how we help others learn, right? So I'm pretty sure today's episode is going to be called limitless learning with Tiana Fesh. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at At The Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At The Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.